Hello everybody and welcome once again to The Brink as we come to you for our fourth rebooted episode from beautiful sunny New Zealand. Yes, our second episode in the land of the long white cloud and once again we find ourselves on the road and it is a very wet road on this Saturday, the day we're recording. Quite uh, miserable weather but it almost feels like I'm back in Hobart because it's very similar to Tassie weather, so nothing really out of the ordinary for myself. But for a man sitting next to me who has his hands on the steering wheel and just mentioned that uh, he hopes this weather will clear up for our, at least our day's activities, it's uh, the one, the only Mr. Nick Chester. Nick, uh, welcome once again to the brink. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be back. And uh, this weather, uh, nothing out of the ordinary for New Zealand in October? No, this is pretty standard all year round at the moment. It feels like it hasn't stopped raining here for months. Well, it's very green, and you can definitely see that it has been raining here for months, but it, it, it adds a nice tinge of the greenness to it. But uh, lots to come in this episode. We've got some good feedback from our first New Zealand episode. Lots of listeners from around the world, including Egypt um, and uh, Kyrgyzstan, I believe, uh, there was a, a listener from there. I, I don't know, is there strong New Zealand ties to those countries, Nick, that perhaps that's why they stumbled across our episodes? Um, not that I'm aware of, but you just never know. Well, I mean, it's perhaps they're dying to get to New Zealand, so they have to listen to these episodes. Uh, we've got a bit happening still in the remaining days that I am here in New Zealand. Uh, Nick, today's today's adventure, tell us a little bit about where we're going and, and what what are we expecting from this town where we're venturing to today? So we're just going to Taupo, which is um, on, the lake, on the shores of Lake Taupo, which is New Zealand's largest lake. It's a really big lake. Um, so it's a nice little, nice little town. Um, Lots of geothermal stuff again, a bit like Rotorua. Um, we're hoping to um, shoot into a brewery today, do a bit of a brewery tour while we're there, um, and probably sample some of the goods, I'd imagine, as well. Well, there's nothing wrong with sampling goods and uh, trying the alcohol. You would have heard in our last episode meeting up with Kit and Jissy from The Amazing Race, and that was at the Good George. We had a sample sort of, it wasn't a plate, it was a sample rack of various types of uh, Good George beers and uh, you, I mean you've sort of educated me slightly on some of the New Zealand beers and that sort of stuff but I mean you were saying it's more of a craft breweries and all these sort of things are popping up I mean New Zealand is it renowned for its beers at all I don't really hear too much about New Zealand beers in Australia yeah well I mean we're probably a bit like Aussie in that we've got a few you know kind of standard you know big beers that everybody drinks but there's a really big craft brewery scene in, in New Zealand at the moment and lots of little breweries just popping up everywhere and um, so you can get all sorts of different beers so no matter what your tastes are there's something that, that you will enjoy out there most probably. If you were to recommend one beer to an Australian or anybody from around the world from New Zealand what is what is a beer of choice? What's the choices brew beer that you would recommend to somebody from outside New Zealand? Well, I think the, um, I mean, the Good George beers are really good, but I'd also look into the Tuatara range, which, uh, that's a little brewery down in Wellington, and, um, apart from being a really good beer, they come in this really cool packaging, so they kind of have, like, a lizard Tuatara-type shape to the bottle, which is really cool, um, and, um, yeah, they are, I mean, they're really nice beers, and they do a variety of different, um, types of beers as well, so, depending on if you're into IPAs, or you like a dark beer, or a wheat beer, or whatever, 
um, Tuatara would sort you out and you know it's a quintessential kind of Kiwi thing to be drinking as well which is really cool I just like hearing you say beer I just wanted you to say that a few more times oh well, there you go you got it yeah I did it was, it was all in the, the hidden, hidden agenda perhaps um, it's kind of actually funny I mean I've been here now what for basically a week and it's kind of like you know it was funny the first few days I'm here listening to New Zealanders speak but now I'm slightly getting used to it Nick I think I might leave this country and I might start sounding like you guys what's happening no, I don't think that's ever going to happen. <laughs> You'd be a bit worried then if I'm walking around sounding like a New Zealander? Yeah, I think so. I'd have to take the piss out of myself, which I don't know how uh, that generally would uh, work. But, um, no, it's it's been a fun few days, still a few more to go. And uh, one thing, actually, that we're doing tomorrow, which um, obviously at the time of people listening to this would have happened, unless I fell off the bloody thing and died, then you will never hear this. But if you do, it will probably get lots of listeners because people will want to hear what I was saying before I died. Anyway, uh, the Sky Tower in Auckland we're heading to tomorrow, which we're doing the Sky Walk, uh, which has got nothing to do with Luke or Anakin or anything along those lines. We're literally walking around the tallest tower in the Southern Hemisphere with nothing but a rope and a 1.2 metre platform around it. Now Nick, you've never done this before, um, but when we're doing this tomorrow, how, how are you feeling about this? I'm sure we're going to do a segment later on in this episode discussing how it went, but uh, I mean, you and Heights, not, not that bad? I mean, not bad. Um, like I said to you off here, I think, if you're not a little bit afraid of it, then there's something wrong with you. You know, you've got to, you've got to have a little bit of fear for stuff like that. Um, so I'll definitely be um, a little bit nervous tomorrow, that's for sure, but I think I'll push through it, I'll be okay. Um, sometimes you just got to have a go at these things, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I love going up towers, I love going up tall buildings, observation decks, I've never done anything like this before in my life, and I've watched the footage, and I'm pretty much shitting myself at the thought of it, and I'm not the biggest daredevil in the world, I kind of get scared of going on the G-Wizard at the Royal Hobart show, but... Um, yeah, I, I'm going to somehow push my way through it because I think at the end of the day it's going to be a pretty cool experience to say that you've done. But, Nick, you're adding an even more, uh, a bigger element to that. You're jumping off the bloody thing. Like, you're, you're, you're doing the whole hog in legitimately, I mean, is it a bungee? Is that what you call it? I mean, you've bungee jumped before, but what's, what's gone through your mind to actually want to jump off the tower? Well, it's not really a bungee. This is kind of like a controlled fall, so it's a little bit different from a bungee. But, yeah, I mean, it looks really cool, and... I think one of those things is the, the jump's a bit easier because it's basically like you just step off and then gravity takes its course really. Um, whereas the walk, you've got to you've got to kind of have a little bit more of the steel balls and walk all the way around. Um, so I never have a problem with the jump, which I think most people that's the one that they worry about is actually jumping off. Yeah, I don't know whether you're making me feel a little bit more scared or more brave by the fact that I won't do the jump but I'm somehow doing the walk. I was saying to Nick that I watched a video on YouTube of a guy doing the walk who, um, within about five minutes, was like, no, turn turn around, I'm going back inside. So uh, I hope for uh, the sake of myself and not embarrassing myself in this episode and any videos that we will put up on YouTube that I'm not going to be one of those people who wants to turn around within five minutes and go back inside. I don't think I'll ever live that down, but... um, We'll see. And oh, there's sheep, actually. Um, you can't see it listening, but uh, take our weather. It's not that, actually, the amount of sheepness that there is in New Zealand, you guys like to play it up with the, you know, the souvenirs and things like that. I think we've established we've seen more cows on this trip than we have seen sheep. Yeah, I think we're kind of, I mean, New Zealand's a big dairy producer, so you do see lots of cows because we need the dairy. Um, I mean, sheep are obviously a big thing as well, um, but yeah, I think that the sheep thing's probably not quite as big of a deal as, as a lot of people think. 
except for the fact that I've bought a New Zealand pen with sheep on it, a fridge magnet with sheep on it, and there's more sheep to the left of us. But uh, yes, uh, I'm hoping to do a video at some point where we can Steve Irwin ourselves up with some sheep. We'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to this. This episode's going to be fun, our final episode for New Zealand. But uh, there's definitely going to be a lot of content that we will bring you on this uh, wet and windy and quite nice country island, two islands. Anyway, let's hear more. One thing you would have learnt in our last episode is that New Zealanders like to make jokes about Australians and perhaps we will tell you a few more of those horrible jokes a little bit later on in this episode. But as we continue to drive on the road right now in a wet and beautifully uh, miserable New Zealand, even though it's kind of nice, I like the rain, I'm not going to complain, uh, Nick has provided me with a link, or as they would say in New Zealand, a lunk. Uh, to 37 Kiwi words that will confuse the hell out of you. Now, Nick, have you read these before? Do you uh, Did you go through this list and basically know all of these words off the top of your head? Um, well, I had a, I looked at the start of the list and I thought it might be quite interesting for you to go through them and see how many I know. So there might be a couple I don't know, but I'm, I'm willing to... If there's 37, I reckon I'll know 35. All right, 35, he's, he's put it out there. I've done these sort of things before with Americans when I've gone over, like, Aussie words, and even in those, there were words that I legitimately had never heard of. But these are 37 words from the New, from the New Zealand, from New Zealand, that will confuse the hell out of you. All right, so number one, dairy. Now, I won't, like, you got to tell me what it is, and then I'll read the description to, to tell our listeners if he's right or not. So what's, what's a dairy in New Zealand? Well, I assume Aussies have dairies as well. Well, it's basically like a corner shop, like it's a convenience shop, more or less. Um, yeah, so Americans would just, yeah, call it like a convenience shop or like a 7-Eleven or whatever. But, yeah, we've got a lot of dairies, you know, people would go and get bread and milk and that kind of stuff. We, we would, yeah, we'd call that a corner shop or a milk bar is another common one we'd call it. Uh, but you're correct, corner store selling day-to-day essentials, including milk, newspapers, dollar lolly bags, cookie times, and chocky-flavoured Primo. I'm going to... I'm going to the dairy to grab some milk. They've got like a little sentence there. Um, I'll do that in the New Zealand accent. So that's one out of one. Good job. Um, well, this one's fairly standard. This is an Australian one as well, and I think you'll definitely know this one. Lolly. What's a lolly, Nick? Uh, it's like a candy or a sweet. <laughs> yes, standard. Candy and sweets. Yum. This lolly tastes great. Uh, number three. Well, I know this one now, actually, because I've had some of these this week. Pineapple lumps. So that is another lolly. Um, so it's a yeah, chocolate-covered kind of pineapple chew. Very nice, actually. Uh, yes, chocolate-covered pineapple chew. FYI, they don't taste like pineapple. Uh, Leets decorate the cake with pineapple lumps. Um, they kind of taste like pineapple. Though. That's a bit. I, I thought they were a bit pineapply. Yeah, I, I think they are. It's interesting that that's what the what what it says there. I think they taste like pineapple. Very nice. I, I like them. Um, now, I know this one, because Nick taught me this one the other day, actually. Uh, a batch. And I think we actually talked about this in the episode the other day, from memory. What's a batch? So it's like a holiday home. It's normally like a like a run-down kind of holiday home, like a really simple one. But, yeah, it's basically what, yeah, where you, when you go to the beach, you'd stay at your batch. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Holiday home, pronounced bitch. If you're anyone in New Zealand, you will own one. Let's go to the batch this weekend for a yearly getaway while Mummy and Diddy are away on the yacht. Um, obviously, in Australia, we'd call that a shack. Uh, another one I've, I've learnt this week, Jandals. We know this one, Nick. Yeah, so that's what, Ki- what Kiwis would call... Uh, sorry, Aussies would call a thong, and Americans would call a flip-flop. Yep. 
Uh, yeah, so it says flip-flop thongs, the closest thing to going barefoot, which Kiwis love, by the way. We're going to the movies. I'll wear my jindles. Alright, uh, number six, Butte. I thought that was an Australian one, but what's Butte? Oh, like, really good, like something's Butte, you know, like, kind of short for beautiful. Correct, great, excellent, very good. My car's a Butte. Um, <laughs> number seven, your, your six from six, over. your socks from socks. Uh, number seven, Bro. Oh, it's kind of like, you know, your friend, you know, g'day bro type of thing. We're bros? Yeah, exactly, yeah. We're bros in this car? Uh, yes, short for brother, term of endearment for a close male friend, and use a hell of a lot. Hey, brew, let's go have some pints. Um, well, this one, I don't even know this one. Scroggin. So that's kind of like, um, like, like trail mix, basically, like, like peanuts and raisins and stuff. So when you go hiking in the bush in New Zealand, you might take some scroggin with you. Yeah, well, commonly known as trail mix, a collection of nuts and raisins used as a snack on a hike. Also, very expensive. Is that true? Very expensive, Scroggin? Oh, I didn't know that, but I'll take their word for it. All right. Um, have you got some Scroggin for our hike? All right. There you go. Um, ha, well, I know this one. This is weird. This is in Australia. Munted. Oh, uh, like completely broken, basically. Like, uh, you know, my car was in a crash and now it's munted or something like that. Or it could mean drunk as well. So this episode of The Brink started off good, but then it became munted. Yeah. Uh, something that is pretty much stuffed can also be used to describe someone who's rather intoxicated. Yeah. Look at you. God, the beak of the car is completely munted. That, that was munted, not minted. I, I went a bit too far in my accent there. Uh, nine from nine, doing well. Togs. Yeah, this is an Aussie one. We use this one. Togs. So, like, swimwear, basically. Yeah. 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 Swimmers. Uh, what you wear when you go swimming. Gosh, his togs don't hide much. Um, dodgy. Number 11. Um, like suspect, um, you know, like somebody might be acting dodgy, basically. Yep. Correct. Uh, suspicious. That guy looks a bit seriously dodgy. We're back in the giant sheep town, by the way, aren't we? This yeah, is, we are. We were here the other day. Um, capsicum. Now, this actually, this is funny, actually, because I did not know that this was a word that other places in the world didn't use until you tell this word to an American, which they had no idea what this word was. But um, I mean, this is an obvious one, and we all know this one. Yeah, so it's a, so well, Americans call it a bell pepper, right? Yeah, or just a pepper. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, a pepper that comes in green, yellow, and red. They can be used. Uh, they can be stuffed, thrown in stir fries, and turned into soup when not in season. They are deathly expensive. I'll eat some capsicum to the salad. Uh, number thirteen, unlucky thirteen, stoked. Oh, like really happy, like you know. I'm really stoked with the fact that the All Blacks won or something like that. Which they do a lot. Uh, pretty happy and chuffed about something. I'm so stoked the New Year's Eve Festival is coming to Auckland. I actually noticed there was an ad. Uh, love the New Zealand ads, by the way. They're great. And there's one there. Um, it's like for a rewards card or something like that. And they're saying, like, you'll feel as good as if it's your mum's cooking as beating the Aussies. And I'm like, yeah, okay. They really like to give us the shit. Um, all right. Chook. What's a chook? Um, well, it's a chicken. Um, that's what we call a chicken. And it might also be something that you you might call a woman, maybe. Well, right, okay. I never used that before. Uh, why would you call a woman a chook? I'd be like, you know, like like a term of endearment, like how are you going chook or something like that. Right, okay. I thought it was just chick, but pronounced in a New Zealand accent. Yeah. Chook. Yeah, probably is. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, no, uh, chicken, yes. Can also be used as a term of endearment. There you go. What are you up to, chook? Um... This one's... Okay, there's two versions of this one. Uh, a, with a question mark. So, like, A, that's, that's for a Canadian, not really New Zealand, but that's an obvious one. 
Yeah, yeah, kind of. It's just like, it kind of gets just added on to the end of almost every New Zealand sentence. Like, you know, that pie was good, eh? You know, like, it just kind of gets added on to stuff, really. Well, well, I'll, I'll give you that, because, yeah, the two versions here, you've got A, which is pardon what, and then A, pronounced A, means similar to don't you agree. The feed was good, eh? Yeah. Which I have noticed, actually. New Zealanders do do that a lot. So, yes. Uh, number 17... Tar, which again we use that in Australia. That's an obvious one. Yeah, so just thank you. Yeah. Yep. Again, that's another word that you take for granted. You say it to an American, they have no idea what the fuck it is. Uh, hello to all the Americans, by the way. I'm not calling you dumb. Uh, a shortened version of thank you taught to kids at a very young age. Here's your drink, tar. Um, number eighteen. Yeah, nah. Oh, so that's a real Kiwi thing. That basically you answer any question with yeah, nah. So it might be like, do you want to come to rugby today? And you'd be like, yeah, nah. Like instead of just saying no. You always add on the year, so yeah, nah, and sometimes another year. <laughs> yeah, nah, yeah. Uh, technically means no. How vague can you be? Do you want to go on a date with me? Yeah, nah. Um, yep. Uh, 19. Dunny. So it's a toilet. Yeah, very well, very much. So hang on, brew. I just need to go to the Dunny. Um, FPOS. Now, I thought FPOS was a global thing, not just New Zealand, Australia, but for a bonus point, do you know what FPOS stands for? So, Electronic Funds Transfer at Point of Sale. Yes, correct. Um, so it's like a, yeah, like a money machine, basically, yeah. Yeah, where you put your card in. Yeah. Confusing for newbies in New Zealand, and you have a choice. Check, savings, or credit. I'll just get some money for the FPOS machine. Uh, 21, Chocker. Um, like, really full. Like, you know, we're going we're gonna to squeeze six people into this car. It's going to be Chocker. Yep. Uh, correct full. My wardrobe is chocker after that shopping. Uh, number 22, Shore Girl. How's that spelled? S-H-O-R-E, girl. So, uh, oh, that's, a, that's an odd one to me, but I'm, I'm assuming that's somebody like a girl from the North Shore in Auckland. A stereotype of girls who live on the North Shore. She's a Shore Girl. Oh, then she's a Shore Thing. <laughs> that sounds like they're a bit of a slut, or... Yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's kind of, like, really um, distinct to Auckland. Like, we wouldn't use that outside of Auckland, I don't think. Apologies to all our girls listening from the North Shore. I didn't mean to refer to you as a S-word. Anyway, uh, number 23, um, Whoop Whoop. Well, you've pronounced it Whop Whop. Uh, we would say Whoop Whoop in Australia, but oh, I'll yeah. go with Whop Whop. Whop Whop. So, like, that's, like, way out in the country, like... You know, oh, my auntie lives out in the Wop Wops or whatever, yeah. I've never quite heard it pronounced that way. Yeah, literally in the middle of nowhere, they live in the Wop Wops. Yeah, we say Whoop Whoop. So oh, there you go, it's slight, slight different. So, you know, down the back, Whoop Whoop. Like, that's what we say. Um, I've never heard of this one before. Chur, C-H-U-R, Chur. Oh, so that's always added on to like, it's like a like a way of saying cheers, but you'd quite often add it to bro, so it'd be like Chur bro. Chur bro. Chur bro. Yes, thanks, thank you. Relax alternative of cheese. Um, number 25, you're perfect here, Nick. You're doing well. Uh, a durry. What's a durry? Oh, I don't know. That one's... That's very Australian, I swear. That's Australian. A durry. Um, how's it spelled? D-U-R-R-I-E. Do you want me to use it in a sentence? Yeah, use it in a sentence. I don't hey, think I can get the full point for this, but... Hey, bro, lend us a durry. Oh, it's not a condom, is it? No. No, I don't think you'd lend it. You'd want to probably... Yeah, true, yeah, true. <laughs> no, I'm out on that one. I'm, I'm it's, a, it's a cigarette. Oh, it's a, it's okay. a, yeah. yeah. I've like never been a smoker, so that's probably why I don't really recognise that one. 
Yeah, no, yeah, that one's, yeah. Um, where are we? Okay, number 26. Sweet as. So that's like everything's good. Yeah, so sweet as, bro. That's something we always say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool, awesome, or no problem. Can I borrow your wheels? Sweet as. Uh, 27, gumboots. Well, I mean, come on. <laughs> well, I guess, well, in England, you'd call them Wellington boots, I guess. So it's, yeah, they're just like waterproof, kind of like calf length boots that you'd wear so that you don't get wet feet basically well, what do they call them in America do they have a terminology over there right you have to find out when you're over there I will exactly uh, yes Wellington's wellies rubber boots there's even a gumboot throwing contest in New Zealand are we my gumboots in the garden um, 28 cuz or cuzzy so it's like short for cousin basically and everybody's a cuzzy bro like that's just a thing you say like, yeah cuzzy brew uh, yeah abbreviation of cousin can be male or female hey cuz how are you now, this one I might have to spell, and because I'm going to stuff the pronunciation of this one, I'm going to try and say a Fejoa, F-E-I-J-O-A. Fejoa, Fejoa? Fejoa, yep. So that's a type of fruit. So it's like a, um, I think you'd call it like a gooseberry, basically. It's like a, um, it's like a really tart fruit that only grows in kind of um, our autumn. Yep. Um, and they kind of grow everywhere and, you know, like, yeah, you just eat them and get the shits, basically. Get the shits. Uh, yes, a widely popular fruit that takes a while to get used to. Don't disrespect the feijoa, though. They are worshipped by Kiwis. Can I pick some feijoas off your tree? Is that true? They're worshipped? By some people. It's an acquired taste. Like, you either love them or you hate them. Right. Learning a lot here. I like this segment. Um, skull. S-C-U-L-L. I'm not saying the word skill in a New Zealand accent. It's actually skull. So it's like chugging. So it's like, you know, you skull your beer. Yes, correct. Uh, don't your drink, not for the faint-hearted. If someone yells skull, you do it. Hippie 21st, chick. Now skull your yard glass. Uh, we're into the 30s now. There are 37 of these folks. We're nearly at the end, don't worry. Uh, hokey pokey. So it's like a type of, um, like, candy. It's like a honeycomb type of candy. And we've got, like, a crunchy bar, which I think they have in the States and probably... Uh, sorry, in um, the UK. And I think they've got it in an Aussie as well. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, so it's kind of like a honeycomb type candy. We also have an ice cream that's got little bits of hokey pokey in it, which is really a Kiwi thing. Yeah, do the hokey pokey and you turn around. Yeah, a uh, type of toffee. FYI, it's delicious. Hokey pokey ice cream is a godsend. Can I please have some hokey pokey ice cream? We have hokey pokey ice cream. I don't know if we have them in, uh, like, chocolate bars, but... Um, no, I'm a fan of Hokey Pokey ice cream. Um, <laughs> I like this one. Hot chips pronounced hot chops. Well, oh, I, well it's funny because I just assume everyone knows what they are, but yeah. they sound like fries, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. Uh, literally hot chips. They call crisps chips. So hot chips are the hot version of the potato snack, if that makes sense. Let's eat some hot chops on the beach, which we did the other day. That was quite nice. Uh, 33, the word is heaps. Um, so just lots. So, you know, I've got heaps of something, yeah. Exactly. A lot. I have heaps of uni work to do, or that looks like heaps of fun. The word is literally used heaps in New Zealand. Uh, Westie. Um, so that's like a West Aucklander, basically. So um, that'd probably be just... So anyone that's seen Outrageous Fortune, which is a New Zealand show that's based around Westies, and they're a little bit of the kind of bogan that you get in Australia as well. Right. Uh, someone that lives in West Auckland. Yeah, she's a Westie. Uh, only three more to go. A, what's crook? What does crook mean? Uh, so that's, you're feeling sick. Yes, you are feeling sick. Uh, yeah, to feel sick or unwell. I felt so crook after these pineapple lumps. Uh, 
that's legitimately the, the sentence I've got here. Uh, 36, a tiki tour. Um, so that might be like you're not in a hurry to get somewhere and you're taking lots of detours um, or you've gotten a bit lost and you're having a bit of a tiki tour. Getting to a destination the long way. Let's take a tiki tour to Sarah's house. Yep. And this one, uh, I've never heard of this one, the last one, Jaffa, J-A-F-A, um, Jaffa. So um, that's the, the short way of saying just another, just another F in Aucklander, basically. Um, Jaffa's also a type of uh, lolly here, but yeah, that's the, that's, when, when you call somebody a Jaffa, it's like a way of saying they're an Aucklander and you don't like them. So, so do New Zealanders not like people from Auckland if they're not from Auckland? Is that a thing? Yeah, that's definitely a thing. Um, all the rest of us like to look down on Aucklanders a wee bit and, you know, consider them that they think they're a little bit posh and better than the rest of us. And it's just about just about a gentle rubbing, really, more than anything else. So it's a kind of like how you also feel about Australians as well. Yeah, basically. Yeah. All right. Uh, no, you are correct. Uh, just another fucking or fantastic. <laughs> I guess that's obviously what you say if you were in Auckland. Aucklander. He always orders a spicy soy chai latte, a total Jaffa. So there you go, that's 37. I, I think you got 36 out of 37, Nick. Well done, you, you got one more than you thought you were going to get. Yeah, I've exceeded expectations, that's really good. You've done very well, and I think our listeners have learnt a lot when it comes to New Zealand words, and uh, I don't know about you, but I feel a little bit more educated after that session. Now, as you've heard in our last couple of episodes, we've had some great live performances on the brink over the years. Going to bring you another one this episode. One of Tasmania's rising stars in the music scene is the singer-songwriter Asta. Uh, done great guns right across Australia. Triple J featured artist and certainly making Tasmania proud. She joined us in studio back in 2013 to perform a couple of songs. One of those was her big hit, I Need Answers, and you are going to hear that right now here on episode four of the Brink Reboot. Check out Asta, I Need Answers, live on the brink back in 2013. It's the right time, money. I've packed up all my money. The moon is full, I can feel your pool I'm coming to you and I'll be there soon Midnight strikes Backing up for the fastest flight I see you shooting, passing by We meet me on the other side Ups 
Jupiter and Mars flying by. I see you there, you're the brightest star. Don't you worry, I won't be Zealand and seeing a myriad of different places and happened to pick myself up a postcard which doubles as not only as a postcard but as sort of a visitor survey. Now Nick I'm guessing it's part of the uh, New Zealand Tourism Board that all visitors fill in this uh, following postcard survey. Have you have you heard about this one before at all? Uh, I haven't heard about it but I'm just going to assume that we do do it yeah. Alright, good. Uh, well, this is uh, the all-purpose New Zealand postcard, which says on the front of it, I'm here and you're not. Put a dot in the appropriate place, or several places if you're unsure, then turn and fill in the questionnaire. Now, just to describe this postcard, it has a lovely, ginormous sheep, which, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, is it an attractive sheep? Uh, yeah, I'd say it's a mid-range, yeah. Mid-range, right, and a, a map of New Zealand. So let's go through this questionnaire. Um, and it says at the top here, why bother thinking and writing when you can, we can do all this for you? Just put a took in the appropriate box. So, all right, let's, uh, let's go through this one. Let's fill this in, in Ben's head. I've found New Zealand to be full of New Zealanders, full of tourists, full of sheep, full of problems, very nice, or all of the above. Now, Nick, um, I don't know if I need to ask you this because you are a New Zealander, but uh, what would you think it is? Full of New Zealanders, tourists, sheep, problems, very nice, or all of the above? Um, well, I don't think we've got 99 problems, and a sheep's not one, so I, I, I think probably full of New Zealanders, full of... What are the other ones? I've forgotten. Tourist sheep problems. Uh, yeah, I guess there's tourists, yeah. And Bloody tourists. Yeah, not that many sheep. Not as many as you might think. Where's cows? Um, I'm going to go with full of New Zealanders. Uh, the country is small, green and wet, underneath the world, underneath Australia... Sunny, with a question mark and an exclamation mark. Most of the above. 
I, I think I would go with small, green and wet and sunny question mark. Yeah, I think so. It's not underneath Australia, it's kind of to the right. The scenery is amazing, quite nice, wet, difficult to see through the rain, covered with sand flies, some of the above. It doesn't rain that much, it's making it sound like it's, it only ever rains here. I mean, it's nice weather now, so... It is. So, um, I would say it's pretty good, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say, um, yeah, some amazing. I'm going to say amazing. Not quite nice, amazing. Sand flies are a problem here, are they? Uh, they can be when there's sand around. That, that's generally where they live. Good point. I'm glad the place is small, cheap, friendly, conservative, sold, one or two of the above. Wow. That's uh, that's quite cynical, isn't it? Mm, very much cynical. Uh, the first one, whatever the first one. Small. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with friendly. There you go. Oh, look at that. Ben's being nice. Um, you should see the size of the fush, sheep, Mills Lakes National Debt. Fire out. This is, this is very cynical. It's made by an Australian. Yeah. Um, I don't think the sheep are that big, are they? No, no, I've seen bigger. Probably the lakes, I guess. We just saw a very big lake, so, um, yeah, lakes. Uh, fish were, I mean, I haven't really seen a fish. We went to a trout brewery, but, yeah, let's go with lakes. Uh, I've been sick well, taking my time, taking pictures, taking a holiday, taking a nap, several of the above. I'm almost going to have to take tick all of those boxes, yeah, I feel. I think so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Several of the above. All of the above. I'm having a good time, a difficult time, a baby, a party, a crisis, an operation, none of the above. Um, I might be having a baby, I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah that, would, that would be a medical miracle. Yeah, well, true. Um, or, or the sheep that I've entered in this holiday. Um, we did enter it, anyway. Uh, None of the above. I know I'm having a good time. That's a bit rude. Um, and a party, apparently. I wish I was back home, rich, dry, famous, drunk, staying longer, all of the above. I think that's for you to answer. I, I, just, I just thought you might want an opinion there. Um, all of the above. Why not? Uh, famous, drunk, staying longer. Please send me love, affection, money, news, a return ticket. Um... Money's always good. We yeah, can't, it does, yeah. yeah. Can't say uh, wish you were here, there, everywhere, wherever you are, all of the above. Uh, all of the, how can you be all of the above? You can't be. You can be here, there, everywhere, wherever you are. Uh, wish you were everywhere you are. Okay, well, that's the end. So it says, generic postcard, munching their way around the pit pastures and hillsides of the country, the enthusiasts will find... Countless sheep, 40 million at a recent estimate, willing to stand in front of mountains and post photographs. Here an intelligence specimen surveys the cameraman. Um, well, there you go. That's our very interesting segment on how to fill in a New Zealand questionnaire. We hope that you have learnt a lot as much as you probably learnt a little. Another episode means that we have to get into the fastest growing segment in podcasting right now. Wow, that is news. Well, this is news, whichever you want to say. Nick joining me here again uh, in New Zealand. Nick, uh, last episode, of course, we did a very New Zealand-themed edition of the show. This week we've got a bit of a mixture, but uh, I guess you learn a lot in this segment, don't you? Yes, I do. Hopefully I'm able to um, tell you some stuff as well. 
Always like to know some stuff, Nick. That's, uh, that's, that does float my boat. Uh, but the first point of call this week, we're going to go to uh, Brazil. And uh, thanks to news.com.au and their lovely WTF section, which I just think is the website in general. Uh, this one might be a bit close to your heart, Nick, because I know you're a dog man. Uh, shocking pictures of a dog with five tattoos have caused online outrage with social media users who have accused the artist's owner of animal cruelty. The alleged owner of the dog realised afterwards starting up a massive online road, deleted the images and claimed that the tattoos had been put there for the dog's health. He was uh, saying he claimed that he believed the tattoos would protect the dog from cancer. Now, I don't know if uh, you know much about uh, tattoos and dogs and protecting cancer, but as a dog man, have you ever heard about tattoos protecting a dog from cancer? I mean, you do get situations where some breeds of dogs will get tattooed in the ear, and it's just like an identification, like a microchip. But it's a really small tattoo, and it's done when they're really little. Um, that sounds like a complete bogus story. Only, only in Brazil. <laughs> well, I, I would like to think so. Yeah. So, so you, you would never want to tattoo your dogs. Well, there won't be much point because they're so hairy, you wouldn't see it. But no, I wouldn't anyway. No. I mean, what do you go into a tattoo parlour and just be like, my dog is is a dog, it needs to not get cancer, give it a tattoo, and, like, they just give it to it? I mean, how does that work? Um, I suppose you've got to hustle to make a dollar, so you do whatever you have to, I suppose. But, yeah, it's got to be a pretty bad tattoo artist that's doing that to dogs. And I think the, the tattoo industry in Brazil, I mean, how's that going right now, considering that uh, they're having to... to start to tattoo dogs but uh yes anyway that is uh, quite interesting please tell me you've got something a little bit more uh i don't know not dog and tattoo related i do but mine's still animal related so the headline is curious lambs police adventure a good yarn for rangataiki copper okay i'm intrigued uh yes keep going so it's a story about constable matt is this a new zealand story um october 13th so just last week um constable matt davis um, who's a police officer in Rangitiki, which is down in the, the lower part of the North, uh, North Island. And um, he was out doing a rural patrol because there's some illegal poaching going on with livestock, I guess. And there was a lamb stood in the middle of the road. So he tried to move towards it to kind of scare it off the road and it wouldn't move. So he got out because he was worried it would get hit by a car and the lamb ended up in his car. And there's a nice picture of him selfie, which I can send to Ben, um, of the lamb in the car with him. Apparently it was like some orphan lamb that had just escaped from some house. Likely story, I guess the Aussies would say. But uh, um, a bit of a sad story about its parents, which I won't read because it'll bring things down. But um, there's been a few um, sheep-related puns in terms of this about... Were you interviewing him in connection to a ram raid? No pulling the wool over his eyes. And on it goes. So that's that story. So it's a little bit nice. That, that's just a standard New Zealand story though, isn't it? Just like lost sheep, uh, put on your milk cartons and things like that. Well, the police don't normally pick them up and put them in a police car. Or, or take selfies with them. Like, you know, that's just not the police officer's, you know, Tinder date or something. Well, I wouldn't think so. C- considering it's a lamb as well. Yeah, that's right, underage. Yeah, well, exactly, we don't want to go that. Well, you know, when in New Zealand, learn about sheep, why not? Um, all right, 
Let's move back into the land of the living, sort of. Um, a graphic memorial, that's in quotes, uh, waxwork of Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie naked has gone up for sale on eBay and it seems to be struggling to find a buyer. Uh, $18,000. Called the Brangelina Memorial Nude Waxwork Sculpture. The artwork shows a recently separated couple naked, joined at the hip, and sharing only three legs. Now, the uh, eBay post says, commemorate the iconic celebrity uncoupling with this unique waxwork sculpture, meticulously modelled and crafted from mannequin-grade specialty wax with real human hair uh, and glass eyes, height of 103 centimetres, over half life size. She holds her finger to her lips. He crosses his fingers behind his back. Now, I really have no idea how to even describe this picture to people listening to this because... Um, well, I mean, he looks like Brad Pitt. She looks like a weird, morphed doll. Um, but, yeah, Nick, you can quickly look at this picture. $18,000. I don't know how much in love with Brangelina you were, but wow. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. No. No. <laughs> He's in shock. He's just looking at the picture right now. Yeah, it's, 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 fascin- it's fascinating that, I mean, he's probably put a lot of effort into this. Um, no bids at the time of uh, recording, uh, surprisingly. Um, like, I mean, who is that in love with celebrities that they want a weird naked sculpture of them joined at the hip? I mean, uh, look, I, I don't know who your favourite celebrity is in the world, Nick, but would you ever go out of the, your way to get a wax sculpture of your favourite celebrity? No, I don't get wax sculptures. I don't get the Man on Two Swords. Go, let's go and look at a wax version of a celebrity. Right. You, you don't just do the whole waxing in general? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where this was going. No, no, no. Well, that was a legitimate question, but hey, I'm not trying to... Whatever. Yeah, no, I'm not into wax. <laughs> You're not into wax. Uh, the scary fact is that I just... Um, I'm still looking at this picture just absolutely perplexed. Um, yeah, I don't know if you've got any more stories, but I think we can live with three today. But actually, hang on. There's one here which I think we could maybe do. Eight facts that you can't live without. Now, we've already learnt some facts about New Zealand this episode, Nick, but according to news.com.au, these are eight facts that you cannot live without. Now, this is incredibly interesting. Uh, Why Diet Coke will make you more drunk. A rum with Diet Coke will make you significantly more drunk than a rum with regular Coke. This is according to uh, well-known Australian scientist Carl Krasinski. I can never say his name properly. Now, apparently, this is because the energy from the sugar in the real Coke means it will take longer for the alcohol to be pushed into your system. It's thought this is because the body will treat a sugary drink like food and it will sit in your stomach longer to be broken down by acids. So, uh, there you go, Nick. Next time you're out in the town, on the plus, uh, drink some Diet Coke, you'll get more drunk. Mm, that's good to know. It's a very Australian story, this one, clearly. Um, why you probably kiss to the right. Two-thirds of people lean to the right when going in for a kiss, according to some not-at-all-creepy research carried out by Onur Guntakran while hanging around airports and watching couples kiss each other without baggage or any other obstruction in the way. That makes five out of the possible nine combinations potentially good, and four out of the nine kisses a terrible situation. Um, any comment on that one, Nick? No. No. Yeah, all right. Uh, well, apparently, news.com.au want to tell us that one of the eight facts you can't live without is Dr. Carl Krasinetsky's wife makes his own shirts. Um, <laughs> there's a picture of him on this website with a shirt with lots of strawberries on it. 
Well, I could have lived without that because I didn't know who he was two minutes ago. <laughs> yes. so. Well, exactly for our New Zealand listeners, they don't give a shit. Um, an Aussie on the loo helped shorten World War One. Here we go. Australian-born William Bragg was stationed in France during World War I when he noticed that he was lifted off the seat of the otherwise sealed toilet when a large artillery gun nearby was fired. He figured out, along with a friend, that the gusts of wind were due to a low-frequency sound produced by the gun. The discovery led to a way to locate enemy guns during the war, a major advantage to the Allied forces, and eventually won him the Nobel Prize. There you go, Nick. Thank you to an Australian, otherwise it would still be in World War I. Yeah, that is genuinely interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Much better than Carl's shirts. <laughs> Much better than the shirts. Yeah. Much better than the shirts. Um, the Outback has upside-down rivers. Australia's Outback is home to one of the world's oldest, the Finky River, parts of which are upside-down, meaning there is sand on top and fresh water underneath. According to, doc- according to Dr. Carl, his wife makes shirts. Uh, literally, people have died within a metre of the water because of thirst, he said, adding that the red soil gets its colour from the huge quantity of iron ore. You can run electricity through the dirt of Australia. It's that conductive. There you go, Nick. Next time you're in the Australian Outback and your phone's dead, plug it into the sand. Did they just round up this guy and just get some facts out of him? I think it's a slow... This is news.com.au for you. It's just like, oh, fuck, we're not doing anything today. Let's get the smartest doctor in the country who's with the worst shirts and get him... In all seriousness, uh, he's actually very... Uh, very fascinating guy. He's on lots of TV shows, and he's you know. I, I think feel like Australia's answer to Bill Nye the science. Yeah, I would say so. He, I think he came to like my school in primary school, and he's actually very interesting. Um, selfie is an Aussie invention, or is it? Now I've heard this before. I have heard that Australia lays claim to the invention of the selfie, but this is what this is. Take a bow, Australia. The first recorded use of the word selfie seems to be a drunk Aussie. Who else? At a mate's 21st who smashed his face and posted online. Nathan Hope, a.k.a. Hopey, put a picture of himself with a huge fat lip on Dr. Carl's forum in September 2002. He said he tripped over and landed lip first with front teeth coming a very close second on a set of steps. Sorry about the focus. It was a selfie. It's commonly reported as a first usage of the term. However, Hopi himself later said it was not a word I coined. It's something that was just a common slang at the time used to describe a picture of yourself. Fairly simple. Um, I mean, clearly at the end of the day, um, it's about a drunk Australian discovering something. And just like before, it was an Australian on the toilet. So this is how Australians discover things, Nick. I don't believe the story because if it was an Aussie that had come up with that, it would have surely been selfo. <laughs> Took a selfo. That's a good point, actually. Good point. Uh, the odds of getting a double yolk egg are around 1,000 to 1 but they can be reduced by factors like buying large eggs, which are more likely to contain double yolks. The odds of getting four in a row are around one in a trillion. So make sure you buy a lotto ticket that day. Ever gotten a quadruple yolk egg? Is that four four double yolks or a quadruple yolk? Uh, That's a good point. Maybe getting four in one carton, one in a trillion. Because that would be, unless it was like a chicken from like Chernobyl or something. (laughs) The the likes of that happening, oh yeah, one in a trillion. There you go. Um, Okay, so this one here just simply says, there is no debate. When asked about the Australian education system and its emphasis on science, Dr. Carl says it's geared for the elites and advocated at a greater emphasis on STEM subjects. Okay, this just sounds like Dr. Carl preaching science crap, so that's really not a fact that we give a shit about. Um, yeah, so we've learned about Dr. Carl's wife makes his shirts, Diet Coke makes you drunker, you kiss to your right, and a drunken Aussie invented the word selfie. So out of those eight facts, maybe only about three of them we maybe needed to know. 
Yeah, I mean, interesting, and thanks, Dr. Carl. You've enriched my my uh, Monday evening. Aren't you so glad that you have decided to do this segment with me right now? Well, at least we've done some research this time. Exactly, exactly. We just didn't go for the best New Zealand stories of 2013, which turned out to be kind of crap. Anyway, uh, that's the segment for this episode. You know, I'll be back next episode. We're going to wait about 10 minutes to do this walk. We're standing at the bottom of the tower right now. We've just recorded a video, but I thought for some reason we would do a little audio as well. Um, and I'm, I'm terrified. The wind's dropping. That's good. A minute ago it was about 43 kilometres an hour. Currently wind speed's at 36, 35, 36 kilometres an hour. Wind chill factor, 3.1 degrees. That's not too bad. It's not going to be too cold, I guess, and it's coming from a southwesterly direction. How's your weather knowledge, Nick? Do you know much about wind direction and stuff like that? No. All right, good. Good. Um, I know I just asked you this on the video and I'm just doubling up on the question, but how are you feeling okay right now? Uh, yeah, I feel all right. I'm looking at that toilet over there. I think I'm going to have to, like, go pee. Um, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is happening. Um... I don't know why I'm doing this, but um, I guess we'll see how this actually goes. <laughs> oh, shit. Awesome. Well, welcome out to the Auckland Skywalk on this beautiful spring afternoon. It's looking absolutely spectacular up here today. How are you both feeling so far? Who's feeling up the undies a little bit? <laughs> That's right. We get the sweet strike clean. That's fine. Um, cool. Well, as I'm sure you're aware, we are currently 192 metres above Auckland City. So if you're up for it, you can take a look down and check it out exactly how far we've come we're going to be taking a nice little stroll about 120 meters around the outside of the building here and um, we'll be getting a full 360 degree view of the city and I've got some challenges for you along the way as well okay we just ruined the whole trip right yeah. I am sitting here right now overlooking the beautiful city of Auckland in a comfortable seat with a beer in my hand. I can safely say that we survived the skywalk and um, it is quite terrifying and I may have cursed off New Zealand at one point whilst I was doing the walk but we're here and we're alive and enjoying city views right now whilst drinking a beer and uh, Nick also survived. Actually, no, he died. He fell off the building. <laughs> and he's not here at the moment. But, uh, I mean, I know I literally asked this to you a second ago in a video, and I'm asking you it again. How are you feeling? I feel good, yeah. It was, um, as we said in the video, um, I did the jump yesterday and the walk today, and they're two really, really different kind of challenges, which is cool. Uh, the jump was kind of like that more pure adrenaline rush whereas this was more kind of working through the the fear of heights a little bit and you're up there for a longer period of time so it's just quite different um yeah no i found it really good and it, funny having jumped off the building yesterday that i found it quite hard leaning over the building even though you're attached to ropes and stuff so just a really yeah two very different things definitely recommend it to anybody who's here um to give it a go because it was really cool 
and there is really that sense of achievement once you've done it. It's kind of like, wow, I actually did that. The whole way up, you're just, you're just shitting yourself. You step outside and then the wind hits you and you kind of look over and you're like, why am I doing this? And you look very attractive in your orange jumpsuit. But, um, well, here we are. Uh, we just heard the great sounds of Whitney Houston and now we've gone into St Queen, uh, Radio Gaga, which I guess is appropriate for a radio show, sort of. But, um... It's it's kind of, yeah, that sense of achievement right now. It's probably the first time I've ever recorded an episode of anything whilst actually drinking alcohol. So, um, yeah, well, it's a New Zealand thing to do. I think all your broadcasters are drunk, are they not? Pretty much. Yeah, it's a very New Zealand thing to do. So uh, that's the Skywalk. The Brink has survived. And uh, you've heard it here on uh, episode four of the Brink reboot. Another episode, another time to go back in time as we bring you our very popular segment. Flashback, yes, in only four episodes apparently we have a very popular segment. Now, doing a little bit different this, uh, this episode, going to bring you two just because we love both these moments. The first one, of course, last episode, being our New Zealand Special Edition, we played you a New Zealand flashback. Now, we try to dig through the archives and, and basically find some more New Zealand highlights. And this one only goes for about 39 seconds, but we still thought it was worth playing for you. This is back in 2011, Sam and myself talking about the 2011 Rugby World Cup. Let's check this out. It's it's fun just to watch to hear the all passes it off to dummy half. I can't really do that. Wasn't really the best explanation of how New Zealand accent works. Yes. Oh, he's he's got the ball. He's <laughs> running. He's running. Oh, he's been tackled. Oh. He's sprinting. He's sprinting down the wings. Sprinting. <laughs> I like it's that. a try. I it's like a that. try. New Zealand has got six points. It's a try. It's oh, I love it. I love oh, it. that's special. I love it, bro. I love it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, have you been watching the Rugby World Cup at all, Sam? I, I didn't even know it was on. <laughs> Clearly very popular in the Brink Studios back in 2011. But uh, New Zealand obviously went on to win that one. And uh, as we discovered during our tour of Eden Park uh, in Auckland, uh, they're still very much fond of that. Uh, another one, though, sort of... Loosely sport-based. You know we love our sport here on the brink. Uh, back in 2012, this one was. This came after the Melbourne Cup. Now, the Melbourne Cup, only in a couple of weeks. For those listening to outside of Australia, don't know too much about the Melbourne Cup. Held on the first Tuesday of November every year. It is the race that stops the nation, essentially the uh, biggest horse race in Australia. And uh, back in 2012, we got a little bit lucky. We got uh, the then winning jockey, from the Melbourne Cup, uh, Brett Preble, to join us on the program and chat about a very interesting method of going to the toilet. Let's check that out right now. For some reason, um, you know, he's a very busy man. He's won the Melbourne Cup. I mean, come on. Mm. For some reason, he I believe he phoned you up, Sam. And he did? Straight away, I think it was on Tuesday, and was like, Sam, hi, I'm Brett Preble, won the Melbourne Cup. How are you doing? Uh, I'd love to come on the brink this morning, and you've brought him in with you. He is. He's here. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for giving us a call, Brett, and thanks for coming in and having a word to us. Uh, yeah, g'day, fellas. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's great great to be here. Actually, I heard, just heard your uh, little uh, 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 beef man there before. Yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah. He used to have a high voice, apparently. I bumped into him on the way out. Huge man. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, you know, you know, apparently he, he got some stuff and his voice went deeper. Yeah, well, 
Did you know that... Uh, well, I actually used to stand like this. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. But uh, then I uh, got myself a horse called uh, Green Moon. And I uh, started taking uh, anti-growth hormones. And, uh, yeah, suddenly uh, I, I, uh, my voice changed a little bit. Right. So you didn't start eating chicken. I was thinking maybe, if, like, you started eating beef, you sound like this. But if you started eating chicken, you sound like this. No, tofu. That's what it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's right, uh, fellas. I've been eating uh, uh, tofu and uh, um, chicken. Chicken, chicken wings, chicken, chicken drumsticks, chicken fillets, chicken niblets, McDonald's chicken, old McDonald's chicken works wonders, and uh, you know, chicken flavoured potato chips, chicken flavoured pumpkin. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realise it was such a thing. Chicken flavoured <laughs> horse burgers. Right. So you like to eat what you ride then? Yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. I was riding Green Moon the other day, yeah. Yeah, she's a good horse, yeah. She'll run all day, mate. Oh, actually, uh, sorry, hang on, is Green Moon a, a, a man horse or a lady horse? Um, well, Josh, you're the horse expert on this show. Uh, <laughs> I think it's, it's a man. It's a, it's a horse, that's all I know. I think, I think it's a, it, could be, it could be a dude. We've done our research, clearly, on this show this yeah, morning, Brett. it could Brett. be a man horse. It could, or a man horse, I like I, that. I do, I do remember... Damien Oliver was supposed to be the one who was riding uh, Green Moon, but he was dropped and you took up the job. What happened there? Oh, yeah, Damien Oliver, yeah, he had a bet or something. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I don't believe all that stuff. I think it's wrong. I, he, I, I just heard that he hasn't been eating enough chicken this month <laughs> and they had to chuck him off. He was, he Bit was, heavy. He was too big. He's right. too big. Yeah, he so, was 39 kilos. Oh, well, too too much! Fat, wow, that man. So, so you you you're currently living in Hong Kong, like you're in you're in Australia, yeah, obviously, just for, the, Kong, for the race yeah. week, and you come down to Tassie. So, what's it like in Hong Kong? Hong Kong, Hong Kong. Yeah, well, mate, uh, all the all the people over there, they're still a lot bigger than I am. <laughs> Was that your horse? Was that was Green Moon in the studio? I think that was his laugh. Oh right, I'm sorry, Brett. Uh, you laughed at my laugh. <laughs> never, never. Uh, one thing actually, I, I think you kind of briefly mentioned off air was um, like a, a smokescreen kind of effect you have, a bit of a secret that you do have whilst running in races. Uh, do you want to tell our listeners about it? And did you implement it during your Melbourne Cup win? Yeah, I did, mate. Uh, no, no, no one. I don't think think noticed during the race, but you know, like uh, like humans and uh, other animals, uh, horses actually uh, carry a bit of ballast around with them. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, uh, no, I don't. Maybe you should tell me what what you do mean. Oh, uh, well, like uh, well, Josh this morning went 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 out for a few minutes to uh, <laughs> do a reverse kanga, <laughs> and uh, and well, horses have got to do that stuff too. So. <laughs> what a reverse kanga? <laughs> yeah, mate. Yeah. <laughs> That's where you sit on the on the toilet backwards and uh, do the poo down the front of the toilet. <laughs> oh, Brett. Brett, 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 Brett. Is, sorry. This, a, is, is this a Hong Kong thing or...? Oh, yeah, they love it in Hong Kong, mate. Sorry, mate, I've just had a blubber and I've just got snot running out one of my nostrils. <laughs> um, Brett, uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. Hang on, hang on, mate. I'm not cutting you off. I'm just, I'm just yeah. saying it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, you, want, you want to hear my whole story or not? <laughs> Please, tell yeah, me. Yeah, yeah okay, she, she was... She, she was carrying a, a bit too much balance around our green moon, and uh, yeah, so halfway through the race, I, I felt it slowing up a bit, so I got my old stick and, and stuck it straight up a bum hole, and uh, yeah, she got rid of her balance, mate. Just just got her home, just got her over the line. Yeah, so that's why it. my horse didn't play, so I didn't win anybody. Yeah. You owe me 20 bucks. Too much balance, mate. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so the life of a Melbourne Cup winning jockey, how's your life changed, Brett? Oh, uh, well, yeah, yeah, a lot more interviews and stuff like that, and... Uh, <laughs> You know, 
I'm, my next ride's not for a few days yet, so I'm just laying off the chicken for a few days. Yeah, it's great, mate. It's brilliant. It's good. Uh, people recognise you in the street, stop you. You know, girls go crazy. Uh, well, you know, mate, people tend not to notice me too much, given the money, but yeah, knee height or whatever. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, not, not too much has changed there, mate. That's good to hear. Josh, anything else to add before Brett has to leave? Uh, only the <laughs> fact that the the people we get in to interview on this show, they're fantastic. <laughs> oh, the reverse. That's going in the Brink Dictionary. Um, a show with which we have royalty on, we've talked about doing a poo backwards, uh, only on the Brink. I bet you listening to this right now, if you had never heard of the reverse Kanga, you will be going to the bathroom very differently from now on. So, uh, the Brink, entertaining and educating at the same time. <laughs> Another episode coming to a close right now and almost a bit of a sad tinge to it because it's the last episode from New Zealand and it's been a fun nine or so so days here in the uh, land of the long white cloud, a fact which, um, again, we did discover once on an episode of Survivor. I'm not going to ask Nick again. I'm not going to embarrass him again. But, uh, Nick, uh, thank you for joining us on these uh, two New Zealand-themed editions of... uh, the brink and uh it's been a lot of fun and i appreciate you being a chauffeur and tool guide over the last week and a little bit yeah it's been cool and i mean i've actually found out a lot well i've seen a lot of things that i hadn't seen in new zealand as well so that's always quite cool you, you went to eden park you you did others i mean you did the skywalk you jumped off the freaking tallest building in the southern hemisphere i mean you, you became you this week nick you took your steps to finally becoming a true new zealander I think so, yeah. I've definitely uh, ticked a few things off the, the New Zealand bucket list. You certainly did. What, what else is there on the New Zealand bucket list now? So, I mean, you know, like actually see a wild kiwi and um, legitimately have sex with a sheep? Yeah, no, that was never on the, the agenda in the first place. But, uh, yeah, maybe we should go do some whale watching next. Oh, right, yes, exactly. Uh, and, you know, find a ring to throw into a volcano. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and, and actually, yeah, and okay, we, we could be here forever. But uh, Nick, it's 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 been a lot of fun, and uh, again, thank you very much. But thank you, thank you for your hospitality and being a New Zealander in your country, showing an Aussie places that I didn't know existed until about a week ago. That's good. Yeah, I think Fakatiti and and Hooker Falls. Yes. Yeah. Fuck a titi, good time at the Hooker Falls. And jelly tips. And, and je- oh, far out. Seriously, Australia, get your shit together and get jelly tips. Like, I've tried some interesting cuisine here in New Zealand from pineapple lumps to that weird-ass drink that I drank tonight, which, what was that we had this evening? A Fiji-ass smoothie. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was all kinds of wrong. But uh, jelly tips, seriously, Australia, if you've got one thing to do, like, while... I'm not in the country. Get some jelly chips and import them. And also, uh, the the lovely dip we had last night was a garlic and onion kiwi dip. That was that was awesome. Mm, it was good. Yeah, yeah. There we go. We're just getting the trade across to uh, to Australia across across the Tisman. But uh, as always, make sure you do subscribe to the Brink. Find us on iTunes. Easiest way of doing it. Uh, you can of course search for us on other podcasting platforms. If you don't use iTunes, head to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the Brink Radio Show. You'll find our subscription link there, which is our easiest way of doing it. And of course, uh, if you're not on Facebook, like us on there. And uh, Twitter as well, we do update that uh, regularly. We 
we will also be posting, which is probably up about the same time as this, a video of exploits across the week and a bit in New Zealand, including video footage of Nick and I doing the sky jump, uh, sky walk. Uh, Nick did the sky jump. You can see him do that as well. Um, and yes, of course, um, you can follow my personal adventures on my personal blog, which is just at benjaminternational.wordpress.com. You'll next hear my voice from uh, the country a little bit further to the right of Australia, a lot further across. That, of course, is the US of A, venturing over there now and uh, continuing the adventures. So uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot more fun things to happen from that side of the world. In the meantime, thank you for your company. And, uh, Nick, I don't know if you remember our closing, but I feel like I want you to to say it. Uh, It's got to do with oranges. It's got to do with sucking them. Keep sucking those oranges. Uh, I'll just quickly whisper it over to hint to him. Nick Chester, wrap up this episode of The Brink with... Keep sucking those oranges. Hobart and good night. <laughs>